As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yo, yo, welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I am your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And this was a matchup that Laker fans had been waiting for. This was a matchup I was excited for. Uh, one of the marquee matchups of the first half of the season. Lakers Bucks, round one, TNT Thursday night. The Lakers take round one, 113 to 106, improving to a league best 12 and 4 and a league best 8 0 away from Staples Center. The story of this game to me was LeBron James, who established himself, I believe, after this game as the front runner for the MVP. I think what he's doing in, in year 18 at age 36 is just absurd. Uh, he's basically picked up where he left off last season with the Lakers, um, you know, across the board. Basically, every statistic is the same. Uh, you know, some things are a little bit worse. Some things are a little bit better. Uh, but to continue, you know, what could have been an MVP season last season into this year, um, you know, I, I think there are going to be some challengers, uh, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant. Uh, maybe Steph Curry, depending on how good the Warriors uh, end up being, you know, kind of projecting out 30, 40, 50 games. Uh, but to me, you know, the, the Lakers are likely going to have the, the best record, if not top two or three. And LeBron is uh, still the best player on the team and still the most important player on the team as, as all the off and on court data shows. So uh, 34 points for LeBron, a game best, uh, six rebounds, eight assists. Uh, also a game best one steal one block uh, only three turnovers at 38 minutes which I believe might be a season high uh, I would have to double check that uh, but he, he had 34 points on 13 of 25 shooting incredibly efficient uh, this was a very jump shot heavy game for LeBron uh, I believe he only had three makes uh, at, at the rim uh, you know three of those 13 so the other 10 were, uh, well, six of them came on threes. He, he was six of 10 from deep, uh, but the other four were all jumpers. Um, you know, th that spinning shot that he has just mastered over the past half decade or so. Uh, only two free throw attempts, you know, definitely could have gotten to the line more. Um, you know, didn't, didn't drive that much, but there were, I think, a few calls that didn't go his way. And I, I think that's something that I'm, I'm starting to notice. It, it does seem like there have been a lot of no calls against LeBron on drives this season. Um, I think that might be worth its own podcast, its own story at some point. But um, I have noticed, you know, his, his free throws are down this year. And it does seem like he is driving into contact and, and not getting calls 
um, which you know is not the norm for him. Uh, but I think you know another number that stands out for him is uh, you know that plus fifteen plus minus, which was a game best, not only a team best, but a game best. And and that's what you know this game was to me. It was LeBron reasserting himself yet again for the you know thousandth time as the best player in the league. Uh, you know the 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 MVP favorite. And, you know, he outplayed Giannis Antetokounmpo. He played, he outplayed Anthony Davis. Um, and again, I, I think really the only guys you can maybe argue are, are at his level in terms of MVP, you know, pecking order are like a Joel Embiid or a Kevin Durant right now. But, um, you know, the Lakers have a better record than the Nets and the Sixers. So, I, you know, I, I would favor LeBron right now. You know, if, if I had to vote for MVP, I would, you know, have him number one. Um, again, and I thought his defense was good in this game, um, you know, on, on both Chris Middleton, even, even on Giannis, if you actually look, uh, you know, I, I went back and watched Giannis's shots, his turnovers, and a lot of the turnovers came against LeBron trying to drive against him, uh, and just driving into that brick wall. Um, uh, so to me, you know, I, I think, you know, there's many kind of angles we could take from this game. I think the Lakers did not play close to. Um, you know, 100% in terms of intensity and effort. Uh, and it, you know, kind of a continuation of some of the bad habits and, and trends we've seen through the first uh, almost quarter of the season now. Uh, but they're still winning despite that. And, and you know, th- this Bucks team, uh, you know, they're now nine and six uh, after losing to the Nets and now the Lakers in consecutive games. Uh, but, you know, they're obviously still really good to, to me, a top probably four or five team in the league. Giannis is still right there as a top five player. So this was, to, to me, the most impressive win of the season, I think, hands down. Uh, it, it set a good tone for the road trip. You know, the Lakers still have six more games on this road trip. Um, and, you know, w- with two big games uh, against the Sixers and the Celtics. So, you know, regard like they're at least going one and two in those three matchups. I think they're going to go at least two and one. Uh, and, and, you know, this was probably the hardest of the three so again, just really starting off this road trip on a great note. Um, so some other notable things, Anthony Davis, 18 points, nine rebounds, six assists, one steal, two blocks, only eight of 18 shooting. It was a nice start for AD. Uh, he, he had a couple post-up scores against Giannis. Um, he, he went up against the, the Nassis uh, and scored on him a couple times, uh, and, but just went really cold in the second half of the game. Uh, post-game, he, he said he's playing like shit right now and uh, you know, really can't, you know, can't make free throws. He went two for five from the free throw line, couldn't make his jumper, couldn't make his lone open three. Uh, so, you know, AD, AD has been very self-critical to start the season. Uh, so I, I know, uh, I, I think I had one question already about should uh, the Lakers trade him back to New Orleans for for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and, and Josh Hart? And uh, the answer is no. But uh, I think that that sentiment, like AD knows he he's not had the best start to the season, but I think the fact that the Lakers are continuing to win without him playing anywhere close to the level he was at last season, uh, it, you know, if not for a, a couple games here and there, like that's an encouraging sign because you know AD is going to return. I mean, this is a guy that if you look at the last six, seven years of his career, he has been that 25 and 12 basically every year, uh, you know, a, a top 10, if not top five guy. So I'm not worried about that. I, I think, you know, it, it was. Frank Vogel's talked about it. It was such a short offseason. He wasn't sure how his guys who played in the bubble were going to respond. 
clearly AD has been one of the guys that has, has you know been slower to respond, but he he's still putting up. You know, I, I forgot the I think it was the Raptor metric um, from from uh, five thirty eight where I, I think he's third or fourth in that uh, heading into tonight. So like th- there are still all in one like impressive metrics that AD is a top five top ten guy. Um, so you know even this season I, I think he's been a top 10 player and you know somewhere in the back half probably in that six to ten um range in, in terms of like if you're ranking the, the best players this year or, or mvp candidates but he's still really really good and and i i think any cause for concern or, or overreaction is just unnecessary with ad right now like I, I think defensively he's getting back to where he was offensively he has been inconsistent um and a bit up and down but uh it, you know i, I think the, the the one guy we, we need to highlight and, and needs to, to get some credit is KCP. Uh, he had 23 points, seven threes, seven to 10 three-point shooting. Also had a couple free throws. Uh, KCP, I, I mean, I think there's a growing case that he is the third most important Laker. I don't think he's necessarily the third best Laker. Like that's probably uh, Dennis Schroeder who went two for 10 tonight, really struggled with the Bucks' length. Only had four points. Um, you know, this is not a great matchup for him. You know, going up against a team where, like, the, the, the few minutes he looked comfortable were against DJ Augustine, who's you know five nine, five ten, and um, you know Dennis has the size advantage against. But everyone else in this Bucks rotation is basically six four and above, and and this is a tough matchup for him. Where where you saw him in the pick and roll, getting to some of his spots, and he's surrounded by three dudes like six nine and above and he just doesn't have that same comfort level offensively so i would still probably argue he's the third best laker but kcp might be the third most important laker just in terms of you know how much how much his style of play you know really gives this team an identity you know in transition in the half court you know his cutting his three-point shooting his moving without the ball uh, defensively, his ability to defend multiple positions, to pressure point guards, to defend wings, um, you know, even I, I think to switch onto guys and, and kind of fight, you know, he, he is uh, a, a bit slight, you know, frame wise. And, and there are times he gets overpowered by guys, you know, even Drew Holiday uh, had an, a drive on him in this game where, where he just kind of bulldozed him. And we, we've seen that happen with, with Kawhi Leonard and, and some of the bigger, stronger wings. But, you know, KCP always competes, he always fights. And, um, you know, he came into this game shooting 53% on threes, one seven to ten. That's obviously going up. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to keep this level of shooting up for an entire season, but it does look like he's going to be at least at that 40% mark, if not, you know, in, in the low 40s, which is elite and is a weapon on, on this team. And, and that was a a big theme post game. It's something I'm writing about that you know guys like KCP. Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Markeith Morris, even Marcus Gasol, who was one for three uh, from three tonight and probably could have taken a couple more. Like these guys are going to be getting a bunch of open shots. And this is a better three-point shooting team than last season. You know, the, the Lakers did upgrade. The, the one thing you can say with Marcus Gasol, um, you know, aside from his passing, is he is a better three-point shooter than, than JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. He's a floor spacer. Uh, Frank Vogel has talked about how much better that has made the starting unit, and that you you look at Dennis, he, he's a better three point shooter than than uh, you know Rondo. Uh, Wes and, and Danny Green are, are probably a wash, although Wes has been shooting the ball better. 
Um, and and you, you look at Kuzma as improved as a three-point shooter, uh, KCP, uh, you know, Alex. Uh, so really across the board, uh, you know, LeBron is having a career best three-point shooting season. AD was having, uh, you know, a career best shooting season and it's kind of cooled off the past few games. But I just think, you know, top to bottom, this team is not going to shoot the ball as well as they are. I don't see them shooting 40% the way they currently are. But if they can stay in that 37.5 to, to 38, you know, 38.5, um, that, that is an elite three-point shooting team percentage-wise. And they're going to make teams pay for doubling, you know, several times down the stretch, AD had three assists in the last few minutes, uh, in part because of guys either shading over to him or, or doubling him and leaving shooters open. And if you do that, you know, against this team now, they're going to make you pay, I think, more more so than last season's team. And uh, a big part of that is KCP with, with his three-point shooting, how good he's been, how well he, uh, you know, knows how, how to play off of LeBron and AD. Uh, it's just been, you know, it's been really something to watch. And then LeBron being more aggressive, uh, you know, if you go under him, uh, you know, defending a screen, he's going to take that three. And and so far he, he's making, um, you know, in, in the high 30%. I, I don't know what it's at after tonight. It might even be close to 40%. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So really for, for the Lakers, um, I think there's a lot to be encouraged from tonight. Um, so some of the things to not be so encouraged from, uh, they were bulldozed in the paint 58 to 32 by the Bucks. They also were bulldozed in, in um, you know, fast breaks, 24 to, uh, in terms of fast break points, 24 to nine. So th- those are two areas that the Lakers are usually crushing teams in and usually are having the advantage. And for, for, you know, it's one thing if the Bucks outperform them in those two categories, but they were dominant in, in those two categories. Um, and it was a bit of a freaky Friday type thing where, you know, the Bucks were nine for, for 28 from deep. Only, you know, that's 32.1%. Whereas the Lakers are 19 to 37, 51.4%. So the Lakers you know, definitely made more threes, but they also took nine more threes, uh, which is not really the identities of this team. It's actually the inverse where, you know, the Lakers are more the team that lives at the rim and the Bucks are a, a three-point shooting team uh, who, who are shooting, uh, you know, the best percentage in the league or I think second best and taking, uh, you know, more threes than last season. So, uh, you know, good job by the Lakers um, in terms of containing the, the Bucks' three-point attack, uh, not sending them to the free throw line. Bucks only took 12 free throws. Lakers only took 15. Uh, but I think, you know, if there was an area for concern, it's once again too many points allowed in the paint. 58 is too many. Uh, 24 fast break points. Lakers only had 10 turnovers. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that the, the, the Bucks were able to score um, you know, that much in transition out of only 10 turnovers. And they actually only had 11 points off of turnovers. So it wasn't really the turnovers that were costing uh, the Lakers. It was the inability to just get back after misses and, and, and get back even after makes sometimes. So um, I think there's definitely some things they can improve uh, off of this game. Uh, they, they let, I mean, Giannis for his struggles, like he had nine turnovers compared to uh, three assists. He was a minus six and plus minus, only had 25 points, did have 12 rebounds. 
but he was 11 to 17. Like if, if you actually look at his shots, uh, the Lakers had a lot of breakdowns. Uh, you know, there was one time AD lost him in, in uh, the half court. He, he got an alley-oop uh, a couple times. You know, one time he spun past AD, got an and one. A couple times just got wide open down the lane and, and got a couple dunks. Like the Lakers had some mistakes against Giannis, but uh, they also drew four offensive fouls on him. So four of those, you know, four of the, the nine turnovers. And then the other five, uh, three of them were live ball turnovers where he just got the ball tapped away from him. Uh, another one was a bad pass that was stolen. And then another one was he, he drove on AD and stepped out of bounds. So, uh, you know, I think really good moments of defense from the Lakers. Uh, you know, 11 for 17 is very efficient. Uh, and, and, you know, there definitely were some some pretty bad breakdowns. But it, it pretty much was a situation where it's kind of what you expect when when you're defending Giannis. Like, when he took a jumper, more often than not, he missed it. He was only one for three on threes and uh, two for four from the free throw line, missed a few jumpers. When he got to the paint and to the rim, he was usually scoring. And, you know, that that's kind of the, the, the Giannis battle is you, you got to be careful um, you know, in terms of fouling him and getting in foul trouble. Uh, but you, you also, you have to wall off the paint. You have to wall off the rim. And the Lakers did that at times. Uh, I think LeBron, uh, again, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, did a solid job against him. AD, you know, I, I think did a good job of forcing him into jumpers, but also was beat off the dribble, beat on the block, uh, and, and just lost Giannis a few times. So um, I think there is room for growth in this matchup. But overall, I mean, I think even, you know, another thing to be uh, another positive from this game was the bench. Like Milwaukee's bench is not the same. Uh, looking at like a Bobby Portis versus a Trez, uh, you know, Trez scored on him multiple times. Like that's a matchup that the Lakers will win. Uh, DJ Augustine versus, you know, Caruso or uh, Wes Matthews, or, you know, wh- whoever the Lakers are going with at that guard spot. Like, you know, I, I felt those guys outplayed DJ Augustine. Uh, Pat Connaughton had, had a quiet game. You know, he, he's someone who's kind of streaky, can can explode every now and then. But uh, I just think, like, looking at the benches, um, you know, you, you favor the Lakers' depth. And, and you know, THC didn't even play tonight. Uh, but I just, I think walking away from this, uh, you know, from a Lakers side of things, you feel more confident. I, I think, you know, AD had not a good game offensively. LeBron had a good game. Uh, but but even he could play better. Um, and, and really, it, it was kind of quiet. I mean, KCP had his seven threes, but outside of that, it was pretty quiet from the supporting cast. So the supporting cast can play better offensively. They can definitely play better defensively. And, and from looking at what the Bucks did, like, you know, Giannis got his 25. Uh, Chris Middleton had 20. Uh, Drew Holiday, I, I thought, played pretty well. It was probably their second best player, had 22 uh, and seven assists. So, like, th- the Bucks. I mean, I think they can play better. Like they can get to the free throw line more. They they can take more threes. Um, it's hard to score more than fifty eight points in the paint. But I think overall, like the Lakers came out to me, uh, you know, of this game, looking like the better team. I think it's close. I think it's it's maybe closer than Laker fans want to admit. But they're still the better team to me, and I think that is a positive uh, that Laker fans can take away from this. So let's get it uh, into the open forum part, the Q and A uh, portion of the podcast. Anakit Mohan at Anakit underscore Mohan twenty four, uh, frequent questioner on uh, on the pod. Who's been the MVP of the season so far? I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, uh, rapid fire. So 
LeBron, as I said earlier, I think right now if I had to vote, uh, I would give it to LeBron. Um, uh, from Terry Lash, uh, if the only way the James Matthew Morris Kuzma Harrell lineup is viable is if LeBron shoots like Pedro Stojakovic, how long do you think it takes before Vogel pulls the plug? So Frank was actually asked about this pregame. Uh, he, he knows that the lineup has not been successful. He thinks it's a small sample size. He, he wants to see more of the lineup. But he was also saying that it, it you know part of it is just the challenge of finding minutes for everybody. And you know with the way the rotation is, you know you, you have certain things in the rotation that he does game to game, right? Like he, he pulls LeBron midway through the first. He lets AD ride out most of the first. Then he puts LeBron in at the end, takes AD out, starts the second quarter with LeBron. Uh, then he'll, he'll take him out after a few minutes, put AD back in, then eventually bring LeBron back in and, and close the first half. And then kind of does a, a version of that in the second half, right? Like, so takes LeBron out again, lets AD do most of the third, brings LeBron back in, LeBron starts the fourth, uh, then he comes out, AD comes back in, and, and then they close the game together. So, like, Vogel has his formula in terms of what he wants to do with LeBron and AD. And I think kind of knowing that and knowing they're going to be certain times they're apart and certain times they're together, like you try to mold your rotation around that and kind of getting some strengths, you know, for the 80 lineups versus the LeBron lineups. And, you know, we've seen he tries to play Dennis a bit. Uh, with AD to get the, the Dennis AD pick and roll and, and dribble handoff game going. Um, but w- with LeBron, you know, he, he has put him with those bench heavy lineups, which, you know, are, are heavy on shooting. But I, I do think that lineup in particular, and, and, I've, and I know I've talked about this before and, and talked about this this week, like that lineup needs another ball handler playmaker. You need to, whether it's, uh, you know, Keefe or, or Kuz or Wes, you need to sub one of those guys out and put in Alex, put in THT, put in Dennis, um, you know, put in Mark, and, and maybe not Mark and Trez, but you know where I'm going with this. Like, you, you need another guy who can facilitate, play make, create, um, and, and just, you know, get the ball flowing. Because to your point, I mean, you say Peja Stojakovic, but it's almost more like LeBron has to be Steph Curry because he has to you know, handle, he's the primary ball handler. He has to create everything. You know, it, it's like a, a Steph Dame hybrid, right? Like, or, you know, Dame when Portland is undermanned as, as they are right now, or, or Steph with, with this year's Warriors team, it's like, you have to create everything off the dribble. It's all around you. Uh, defenses are going to shade over, double you, trap you, um, and force other guys to try to make plays, create for themselves. And it's really not a strength of that lineup. Like the only other guy who can, kind of i mean i guess create his own shot is kyle kuzma but we've seen that movie before and and, you know that's not really the way you want to use kuzma offensively that's not you know you don't really want him creating his own shot you want him as a finisher in transition as a spot up guy as a cutter um you know occasionally if he has a mismatch okay maybe you let him post up face up in in the mid post take a guy one-on-one but you don't want a steady diet of that 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 is inefficient basketball so I, i think the Lakers have to figure that because that lineup has, has actually been okay defensively. It's, I mean, it's not been good defensively, but it, it it's actually been bad defensively. But like, it hasn't been horrible. Like, it, it's been passable defensively where you can probably justify playing it if the offense was good. But the offense has been abysmal. So like, that lineup can't score, and, and that's really been the weakness of that group. So I definitely think 
Vogel's probably going to you know use it for a bit longer, but I do suspect at some point he's going to just nix the lineup and, and we're not going to be getting these questions anymore. I got a lot of Caruso questions. Uh, we'll, we'll take this one from not Obama at underscore it's up. Uh, how do you we get more minutes for Alex Caruso who needs to be squeezed from the all forward lineups to make it work better? You know, it, it's I think Alex should be playing more. I, I mean, I'll, I'll quickly look at tonight's box score, for example. And remember with tonight, there's no THT minutes. So THT has already been kind of cut from the rotation, not played in the last couple of games. Um, and, you know, I, I think where you can maybe cut some minutes is Dennis at 33 minutes. I think he probably played a little bit too much tonight. Uh, this was not a good matchup for him. I would have liked to have seen him maybe more in that 27, 28 minute range. So right there, that would free up five to six minutes. Uh, Caruso played 18 minutes. So I, I think maybe you give him those five to six minutes, get him up to 23, 24. Um, you know, Wes Matthews only played 10 minutes. I thought he was okay in his 10 minutes. Um, Montrezl Harrell doesn't play the same position as Caruso um, and, and is kind of the one guy whose minutes won't really affect Caruso. He was at 26. I, I think that was a little high for the matchup. Um, I, I know he had a couple buckets late, but I, I think I would have preferred to have just gone uh, with with the group that they closed with for, for a good stretch, which was uh, AD, LeBron, KCP, Caruso, and, and Dennis. Um, and, and maybe you can throw in Kyle in there or, or Keefe uh, for, for Dennis, uh, you know, especially in, in a matchup where it's a bit of a bigger team. Like down the stretch there, you know, they're, they're going with Holiday and DiVincenzo in the backcourt. Like those guys are just too big for Dennis. Uh, so, and I think that's that's a, the beauty of the team and, and, and something they're going to have to figure out is, you know, there are going to be matchups, I think, where Dennis shouldn't close. And, and I think Milwaukee as a bigger team is probably one of them. I think, uh, but, you know, then maybe, you know, the Lakers are playing Brooklyn and he's defending Kyrie or, or you can put him on a Joe Harris or something and he could just chase him off the ball. Like there are matchups where it's okay, but I think this was one that um, when the Lakers look back at the film, they might feel differently about the, the you know, Dennis Alex minute split of 33 versus 18. This was probably a matchup that should have been more like 27 versus 24 or something like that. Um, so I think I don't get why Alex doesn't play more. Um, I think, you know, he, he's still somewhat limited as a ball handler and creator. Uh, you know, he's not as advanced of a, of a guy as, as, as a Dennis, right? But, um, you know, defensively, he just is so good and so good across multiple positions. Had three steals and a block tonight. Um, plus some deflections and, and just his ability to switch on to, to bigger guys. And he, he just makes stuff happen. He, he's one of those guys who is just always a positive. And, and even looking at, uh, you know, plus minus, he, he was a plus four, which was one of only two bench guys to be a positive uh, with the other one being Markeith Morris, a plus 10 in his 10 minutes. So I think I'm with everybody. You know, I had multiple Alex questions like Alex should be playing more. Uh, I, I don't have an answer as to why he doesn't. Um, you know, my, my guess would be it's the offense and uh, Frank just prefers Dennis. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're sliding Alex off ball or kind of to that two or three role and, and now you're you know, now he's competing with KCP, who, who's been better. Um, and, and, you know, Kyle and it just gets a little bit crowded there. But I, I do think 
there are certain matchups you should play more, and this was definitely one of them. Uh, let's take one final question. <laughs> okay, let's see, scrolling through all these Caruso questions. <laughs> Lakers in four or five over the Nets. Uh, I'll, I'll take this one because I, I spoke about the Lakers-Nets matchup last week. Uh, this is from Melky Cabrera Fan Club at I Don't Like Dodger. Um, I think the Lakers-Nets matchup is going to be fascinating because I think similar to the Bucks matchup, it's a it's a matchup where the starters are going to be close. Uh, like, you know, I think looking at Lakers-Bucks, it's like, you know, okay, if you're doing... Sometimes I like to think of things like you're on the blacktop and you're doing a draft of the players. Like, you know, you'd probably go LeBron, AD, Giannis in some order, maybe in that order. Uh, but after that, you know, fourth, I'd probably take Drew Holiday fourth and then Chris Middleton fifth, although th- that's debatable. You can go back and forth. Uh, but, you know, and, and then probably Dennis. Um, then, ooh, K- I guess KCP, uh, KCP versus Brooke Lopez. That, that's kind of close. Maybe KCP with the way he's been playing. Like, but Point being, like three of the the top five guys are are Bucks players, um, and, and you would say like overall talent wise, like obviously the Lakers have the star power, and, and you know that ultimately is kind of um, the deciding factor, and, and you know why they won. But in terms of like the depth and, and talent of the overall starting lineup, you probably give a slight edge to the Bucks, uh, and I think it's the same thing with the Nets where. Uh, you know, having three all-star guys and not even just all-star guys, three all-NBA caliber guys, like three, uh, you know, depending on how you view Kyrie Irving, you know, three top 12 guys, three top 15 guys, like three top 20 at the worst. Um, like th- th- that is a rare collection of talent. And I-, I think the starting lineups on paper, at least, are going to be close. But again, similar to the Bucks matchup, I like the Lakers bench better. I, I like their depth better. Um, I, I like their ability to, when they're not doing the the LeBron uh, as the only ball handler lineup, uh, their their ability to mix and match different lineups, playing styles, really adjust to the personnel, but also force their personnel to adjust. Like you know, going to eighty at the five and and, and making you scramble and and try to uh, figure out a way to defend that. So I, I think you know, right now I would probably say Lakers in six over the Nets if they're playing in a series. Uh, I do think that they just have so much offensive firepower. Uh, and, you know, it, it is, this is probably going to be the closest situation to the Warriors we've seen in terms of how the their big three functions because of the shooting, right? And, and that's kind of been the thing uh, with, with some of these super teams that we've seen over the years is, you know, like LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade were never the cleanest fit because neither one of them at that time was that good of a three-point shooter. Le- LeBron became a better three-point shooter in Miami and, and you know, has now become a good one. Uh, but but there were some growing pains there in terms of spacing and in terms of the offensive flow. Remember, Chris Bosh wasn't a three-point shooter until kind of midway through there. Uh, I, I think that, you know, kind of the, the playoffs of the second year, all of a sudden they started playing him small ball five and he started making threes. But like there were some spacing issues with that group. Even the Celtics, uh, you know, KD, I mean, uh, KG was not taking threes. Uh, you know, Ray Allen, of course, is an all-time shooter and, and Paul Pierce could make threes um, at, at, you know, an above average rate. But like that wasn't necessarily a, a dominant floor spacing three-point shooting team. 
Uh, but you, you saw that with the Warriors. Like that was the problem was that uh, they, they had a guy in Clay who is, you know, arguably the ultimate off ball three point threat. Uh, but, but then you had two guys in, in Steph and KD who could, you know, hit you with it on or off the ball. And just that level of shooting, you know, compromised defenses and, and bent defenses to an extent we had never seen before in NBA history. And I think you have a similar situation in Brooklyn, you know, with Kevin Durant, with James Harden, with Kyrie Irving. All three of those guys are elite three-point shooters, and, and all three of them can hit them off the dribble. You know, Kyrie and James Harden are better off the dribble three-point shooters than Klay Thompson, and uh, you know, like that—that's just a different. You know, and and they're in the nascent stages of, of the offense and figuring everything out. They just lost to Cleveland in double overtime, which was you know, kind of a funny start to everything. But um, I think right now I'd probably go Lakers in six over Nets. But depending on what happens with their defense, depending on what happens with their depth, that could shift to five or that could shift to seven. You know, it really depends on, on how, uh, you know, the, the rest of the season plays out, you know, what, what moves they make, how they look, you know, injuries, COVID, all that stuff. So um, we'll, we'll end it with that. But because uh, that's that's the juicy topic. Everyone wants to know Lakers and that's like that, you know, that, that's been a dominant storyline. Um, I would say right now, Lakers uh, over Nets and six. Uh, but as always, thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, be sure to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha, at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And I will be back uh, over the weekend. Uh, the Lakers will play the Bulls on Saturday. I will talk to you after that game. Thanks again.